the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. I love a parade. As a young child, my grandfather took my sisters and me every year to his office in downtown Seattle for a second-floor window seat to watch the seafare parade as it passed on the street below. I love a parade. Every time we've gone to Disneyland in California or Disney World in Florida, we join with thousands of people at least 30 minutes ahead of time to catch a seat on the sidewalk for the Mickey Mouse Magic Kingdom Parade. I love a parade. Every night at Disneyland or Disney World, we come early again to the edge of the sidewalk for the fabulous Festival of Lights Parade. Parades have been around for a long time. When Rome was in its heyday, it was common for a Roman military parade to celebrate a great victory in battle or to intimidate and remind a nation that it was occupied by Rome. Every year, On the Sunday prior to Passover, the Roman procurator would lead a military parade from his home in Caesarea Maritima to his residence in Jerusalem. The procurator was there to show force and to maintain peace on this typically challenging day with the occupied Jewish nation. On this day, Pilate, the Roman procurator, was leading a parade of Roman soldiers into Jerusalem from the west. Meanwhile, we find Jesus, his disciples, and perhaps a few hundred followers are forming a parade of their own, entering Jerusalem from the east. Now, Pilate's parade was expected. It happened every year. Jesus' parade had never happened before, so it was hardly expected. But Jesus had been preparing his disciples to come with him to Jerusalem since being in Caesarea Philippi a few weeks earlier. But I don't believe any of them expected a parade. This was bold. Many things had changed for the disciples of Jesus over the past few weeks. First, Jesus is fully identified. Peter says to him, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus validates that. And then he tells the twelve not to tell anyone about this until after his resurrection. Then six days later on the Mount of Transfiguration, God speaks to Peter, James, and John from a cloud and says, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. A second change was when the disciples asked Jesus what makes for greatness in the kingdom of God. Jesus tells them that getting in to the kingdom is greatness. Then Jesus puts a little child in their midst to illustrate how totally dependent we all are upon God for our lives, just as this little child is dependent upon their family for life. In essence, Jesus was saying that there is not a hierarchy to be achieved in heaven. Getting in is the greatest, and God is making a way, and he will soon show them how. To clarify this point of greatness, Jesus speaks about wealth. Near Jericho, Jesus is asked by a young and wealthy man, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus speaks with him about keeping the commandments. 
The man said that he had done that. Then Jesus tells him to unburden himself of his wealth and share it with the poor. That is greatness for now, for today, in our lifetime. The fourth change happened just before arriving in Jerusalem as Jesus gathers his 12 closest disciples and speaks to them about leadership. He tells them that leadership in his kingdom is about serving. In fact, the greatest leaders for him will be revealed as the greatest servants. And then, the King of Kings, the creator of the universe and all life, the only begotten Son of God, Jesus, says this, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then the fifth thing, now, today, we have a parade. Things are changing. Pray with me that God will help us see and learn what this Palm Sunday parade reveals to us. Heavenly Father, open our ears to hear your truth. Open our hearts to accept your grace. Open our minds to surrender fully to your will. And open our hands to serve like you and your son do. I pray this in his name. Amen. Even before the Palm Sunday parade begins, there is an act that gives us a lesson of faith. It's a willingness to give what you have to the Lord. The scriptures say, Jesus is speaking, go into the village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them and he will immediately let you take them. Jesus apparently knew something his disciples didn't know. Now, that's not shocking. It's also true with us. There's plenty we don't know. Do you know what Jesus is asking of you? Are you willing to let him have whatever he needs from you? Or to ask this in another way, is there anything in your life that Jesus can't have? I've known people who wouldn't let Jesus take their sin. They either would not confess and own up to things they did, or they wouldn't forgive themselves and as a result wouldn't accept Jesus' forgiveness either. Are you holding back from Jesus? Today is a day to surrender to him all things. You won't be disappointed if you surrender, and it will change everything. The parade is about to begin, and Jesus shows us a new style of leadership for all to see. Jesus publicly displays servant leadership. The scriptures say, They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Matthew 21, verse 7. Pilate he entered Jerusalem riding a stallion, a war horse. His intent was to show power, to display force, to intimidate, to make sure people knew that he was over them. Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on the colt of a donkey, a beast of burden. His intent was to show humility, to display service, to be accessible, to make sure people knew that God was for them. Now, God has power. 
It is certainly revealed in creation. And isn't it beautiful and amazing? God has force. God's force is love. God serves. He never intimidates. God is accessible, always. God is for people, all people, no matter who they are or what they've done. This changes everything. And just as God comes to all people, God wants all people to come to him. The parade ends at the temple where Jesus proves that God is for people. Jesus clears space to make place so that all people can be with him. The scripture says, My temple will be called a house of prayer, Isaiah 56, 7. But you have turned it into a den of thieves, Jeremiah 7, 11, all written from Matthew 21. What Jesus did here was not about money. What Jesus did here was not about sacrifices to be made according to Jewish law. Jesus' action here was to make space for the Gentiles and the women to worship. They had been displaced. The money changers were actually stealing worship and prayer space. The money changers were cheating people of intimacy with God, who longs for people to receive his love and to love him back. Jesus was giving them a place in his temple. Jesus is changing everything. Being displaced, neglected, dismissed is not the work of God. And Jesus reminds his disciples about what he taught them earlier. And he reminds the Jewish leadership of what they had forgotten. Because children get it. The scriptures say the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, Praise God for the Son of David, Matthew 21, 17. Children in the temple were learning from their Jesus-believing and Jesus-following parents. Children in the temple were not swayed by the nuances of life nor the pressures faced by adults. So the children are unencumbered, fully engaged, sold out to Jesus and praising him. He loves them, and they know it. Jesus perhaps had healed a parent or a grandparent, a sibling, or perhaps even one of them. They don't know how, but they know who. Jesus taught his disciples about children, and now they see that they have no problem loving him back, boldly saying so. Is it any wonder that Jesus challenges us to be like children? Yes, we, we must care for children. We must provide for them. We must teach them. But let's also make sure that we learn from them. Children get it. Let's be like children in our complete reliance and dependence on Jesus for how we live. One final lesson for today is found in the middle of the parade. Literally. Matthew 21 9 begins with these eight words Jesus was in the center of the procession. Jesus is in the center. In this unexpected parade, we find Jesus in the center of it. He's the Son of the living God. He is the Savior of the world. He is the sacrifice needed to give humanity salvation. In him, the love of God is fully displayed for all to see and to receive. He is on the colt of a donkey. He's a servant savior. He is making space for all people to be included with God. He's a placemaker. 
He's in the center. Why not surrender to him? Why not let him have everything we are and everything we have? Why not let him be the Lord of our entire life? Why not? Do you say yes to Jesus? I'll say it again. Do you say yes to Jesus? Now, that is worthy of a parade. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to earth, to us, to all. He changes everything. He is changing us. Help us not to hold back. Help us fully surrender to Jesus, to surrender who we are, to surrender how we think, to surrender what we say, to surrender how we behave, to surrender what we have. Help us to give all this over to Jesus. May Jesus be our center. In his name I pray. Amen.